0: Hey everyone, this is Michelle Hensley with The Edge of Grace. Make sure you follow and share us so everybody that is looking for information on recovery has the opportunity to obtain that. We're going to share all of our links with all of our guests that have appeared on our Facebook page. Subscribe and follow. Just do it. It's recovery, it could save somebody's life. Share, follow, sponsor. We need sponsors. Wow, that's a that's a lot. <laughs> yeah, that's a very. Thank you for being so vulnerable um, and sharing that with us. So, yeah, we, I mean, I'm I'm my head's spinning because I'm thinking from the very beginning, from the moment you said I was an object, that you're able to see that and identify that obviously you've had a lot of work on your trauma i i assume back then Mm -hmm. um so your mom your mom was actually a victim
1: yeah and that's something that it took recovery me to understand like there was a lot of unresolved anger especially towards her but also towards mother figures and i think a lot of like the anger that i had with my wife um was was that you know it's like uh, i had that thing of the person that's supposed to love you didn't in this, you know, that, that first person in the world that's supposed to take care of you didn't do that. And so I had that, like that feeling. And it was hard to believe that there was another female that would ever like actually unconditionally love me and take care of me because of that. But when I went through recovery and and I realized, you know, I got that understanding that I am a victim and because of that, I'm, this is why I'm acting this way. Then, um, like there's no question right like then obviously all the other people that that my biological father victimized were victims and um ultimately you know there was a a good moment and and initially what I did was video journals and I would just uh turn my camera on if I needed to forgive my biological mother then I would just you know I knew her name so I would look in the camera and I would just say it and I would yell sometimes and I would sob sometimes and, you know, it really worked out like what I was feeling and allowed me to kind of get the, those like that, that shade or those blankets off my eyes so I could clearly see the world and how it worked. And, um, but so yes, to answer your question, right, she was a victim. She was. <laughs> have,
0: so did you ever look for her or have you ever,
1: um, there's moments, uh, there have been different times where I've tried to go back and look for, like, all of my family, and there are some that I've met, aunts and uncles. Um, there's one time where I was at a aunt and uncle that was bi- a biological aunt and uncle. This gets really confusing when you have 17 families. Right. but But family ones, aunt and uncle, and, and a lady came in, and for, like, 15 minutes we had coffee, and she left, and I don't know. Like, there was a feeling that, like, this is probably her, you know. I was able to find out that she had two brothers or two sons after me, and I'm I'm one of three, so my biological brother and sister were were way younger than me when we were adopted out, um, but we were able to stay together and be adopted together. So, and then I've so I've tried to find them. I was able actually in one meeting I ran into what is my her son, um, oh, wow. but it was kind of a weird conversation, and we and then coronavirus hit, and we never really got too much further into it, but. Um, ultimately part of the recovery process doesn't really want me to even look anymore because like I have a mom who did decide on her own to come in and be that form of unconditional love now that I realize that all not all women are like that or that it wasn't her you know my my birth mother's fault I can see my relationships with other women differently and and that's really repaired i my adopted mom I didn't talk to her for like 7 years before recovery she honestly the first time I did she didn't recognize my voice on the phone that's how long it had been and that was mostly my fault you know but I was I've been able to repair that and work through that thankfully you know we've been able, we were I was able to do that in my recovery but.
0: so you were talking about the PTSD and the flashbacks and and some of the ways that the trauma had manifested in your life and you say now that God's brought you all the way through all of that full circle. And now you're working and you're functioning and you're not only functioning, but you're excelling and doing well. I think today you said that you were working for workforce chaplains. Mm-hmm. That's what yeah. one of the things. So can you tell me more about that?
1: So there's a lot in what you, what you yeah, asked. There's a lot. Um, so the, real quickly, the workforce chaplains have just been amazing. I, get, I actually go into different businesses and work with their employees so it's all different but most of the time I show up once or twice a week and I just walk through and talk and then I schedule you know meetings or appointments with them later I'm available for phone calls and hospital visits and funerals or anything that the family needs Um, I really try to just go above and beyond and it's like you or anyone in you I under you know from a corporate business background I understand like employee turnover and how important that is, but also my heart is just for people who hurt and there's just like so many of us hurt. You don't have to experience like the the magnitude of what I did, which is why sometimes I hesitate to even tell my story because it's so easy for people not to be able to empathize with that. Sure. Right. Like, you, that's crazy. I didn't go through nearly that. But you're still damaged, you know, and you still need the same help that I did. And so um, it's important that I say that you don't have to experience what I experienced to need or want to get better or, you know, seek recovery or or seek Christ. We all exp- we all suffer every day, no matter how great your life is, there's suffering and pain. And, and there's going to be like an effect on your body and soul and your, and your brain from that that needs healing. So workforce trauma or workforce chaplains. it's been a blessing to be able to do that and give back the PTSD that's something that I don't think a lot of people who who like even those who can empathize with those people who have it don't understand what it's like because there are moments where you are like sitting in a room and then everything around you is completely different and it's not that room. Um, there's so many like backfires or just different noises or smells that trigger, just things, and even when it's not like an in-your-face hallucination, there's like times where I'm terrified, terrified for my life, and I have no clue why. Everything was normal, and then now I am scared to death. I need to hide. I'm terrified. I need to get my kids and to like hold them, you know. And I don't. And that, that those things just happen, and it's it's, it's really a, a, an indescribable thing. Like even what I just said doesn't know justice to what it actually feels like, and and so it's really hard to get anyone. Like it's really hard to talk through that with people because, you know, you can see in their eyes that they're like, yeah, that's great, but also like they don't understand that like for real, there's something there that's not there. Like, like legitimately, it's there, and I don't. And and people have a hard time, and I know, um, especially like my family, has had a really hard time empathizing with like what that really is, and then and just like depression and panic attacks, and you know, I had a boss one time who said, oh well, I fly plane, and one time, like, this didn't happen right, and I had a panic, but I got over it and kept flying the plane, and it's like, well, that's <laughs> really good for you, but that's not what I'm talking, you know, like, no that, about. that's, you know, we're talking about an inability to control, you know, your, your, like, calmness in your state, so, and there's just a lot in that, but that is, I believe that a lot of that comes from, like, the, the miswiring, and a lot of that is because we're reacting to situations that we've gone through instead of, like, processing through those and becoming, like, better or more more solid because of them, and um, that's part of my whole, like, what I really realized was that the filter of being a victim just made me angry or it made me, like, ske- think people were sketchy or everyone was out to get me, and so, like, I would handle situations that just in not normal everyday ways because I had this Like have to protect myself. Everyone's out to get me. They're going to hurt me. They can't really love me. They're definitely lying. And and so that controlled the way that I reacted. That was definitely like a a motivating factor in every decision I made. And so going through recovery and realizing that I was victimized, but I'm not a victim. I don't have to be a victim. You know, I'm a dad who has a beautiful wife and two kids. And also through recovery, Alyssa and I have been able to work our relationship out, and we're happily married today. So I don't know if I touched on that, but uh, that's obviously been a, an amazing blessing. But, but I have all of those things today, so to realize that's where I am. I'm not, like, the victim anymore, and so I don't have to, like, be angry and I don't have to be defensive. And it's allowed me to be calm and to be loving and to really empathize with other people and know that that the, just the, the devastation that just being, like, cut off on traffic – Consistently. Like, it's just dehumanizing. And, like, I know, like, I hate that. It makes me angry, and we talk about it and we joke about it. But the reality is that, like, there were times in my life where I did not want to be alive and I did not see, like, a reason to move forward. And a stranger would smile at me. And as dumb as that sounds, that person told me that I am a human being in the world connected to everyone else. And that little bitty act of just smiling at me or just opening the door and saying you're a human being who deserves love and care, and right? Like, that's nothing. You just opened the door for me. But those little bitty acts that we do for each other, they have these huge resounding. I'm alive today because a random stranger smiled at me, right? And if that's true, if that's the truth, then the opposite is also true, that cutting someone off in traffic or cutting them in line or that little McDonald's double drive through where there's no real regulations to it, you know, just like let, you know, those little things, like just like the smile lets me know alive and that I'm a human and I'm connected, cutting me off in traffic or cutting or me cutting someone else off in traffic is telling them that they're not connected, that they're not, you know, they they don't have that humanity. And that those little things tear at us. And if we don't, uh, whether we've we were alcoholics or whether we were abused as a kid or whatever it is, if, if we just everyday people don't address those as they happen and like allow ourselves to process and say like that, that was wrong that that happened and then process through it and move on with it and, and truly forgive them. They just eat at us and they just tear us down. And eventually whether it's lottery tickets or obesity or alcohol or whatever it is, that's, you're going to start like needing to numb the pain that that causes. And, and that's really a hard message is trying to take like the beauty of the everyday person who doesn't identify as a victim or an alcoholic, you know, that's one of the things that I feel very called to try to like simplify it into like fourth grade level terms so that everybody can kind of use that like in the moment.
0: Yeah. I think that's one of the things I want to make sure was important that when we talk about recovery, we're not necessarily just talking about addiction. We're not just talking about substance abuse issues. We're talking about, trauma. Yeah. Um, yeah, that's my personal We're talking story, about mental health. We're talking yeah. about PTSD. I, I also have PTSD, not at that level, but everyone's is different. I think it manifests mm-hmm. different. Um, mm-hmm. Mine, uh, my husband is a saint because mine manifests when he's driving me down the highway every <laughs> single time. And there's no, you know, he says, why are you putting your feet on your, the dash? Um, I don't have any control. I have no control over it. There's just a fear that will uh, occasionally out of nowhere just take over. My feet go on the dash my whole body tenses up and then of course his reaction is okay I'm doing something wrong what am I doing wrong why are you upset with me yeah. um so it, I
1: don't drive when it's my, Alyssa and I yeah I haven't since the first week we met because she is like that and she's it's just easier in our relationship to let her be the driver the driver and i will you know so i sometimes enjoy running to grab milk because it's like the only time that i'm like in the, i get you to be in the car driving you know like a, like a human awesome. doll so.
0: well you were tight it's so funny You were talking about cutting people off in traffic so on my way in today i had somebody that was right on my butt like you know literally i my instinct was to hit the brakes you know that's my old my dad's behavior hit the brakes and let them you know let them know that they're not you know, instead of just being nice and getting over and letting them go about their day, my first instinct is to hit those brakes and say, hey, buddy, you're doing something wrong. You know, I want to correct the behavior. And then I did. I got over and I let him pass and I thought, this is this is a good scale for me to see how spiritually fit I am. How yeah. am I responding, you know, to those little things that I don't have any control over, like traffic? I yeah,
1: like love those lessons in life. Like yeah. a flat tire, like a flat tire pre just recovery and pre like being walking with Christ and then a flat tire afterwards. It's the biggest difference. Like yeah. before it would be the car might stay there until I had to move it because my 72 hours sticker was about to expire. You know? Um, it would definitely be an excuse for me to call off whatever plans I had for the day and drink because I had a flat tire. So how could I possibly get anything done? You know, and, and now it's like you just go and you just change the flat tire. And then you move on with your day, you know, like it is, it's a totally different, all of those little things, like you were saying, they're beautiful little moments. If we can acknowledge like the growth that we've had, it's, it's, uh, it's inspiring. And then it's also motivational, you know, my, my son just great. He told me the other day, he was like, I just, I can tell that you've gone through recovery because you're calm to me is like, I can see that I have like degrees and stuff on the wall now that I didn't have before recovery, but to know that like my 15 year old son can see that I have made a change. And then this week, he told me that last, so then this week he said, I'm really struggling with this e-learning and uh, I'm getting kind of depressed. And so I was able to say like, you saw how I was, right? And he's like, yeah. And you see how I am now? Yeah. So you know it's possible to go from how you feel to feel better. And you know that I know how to do it, right? So it was just a beautiful moment where I'm like, all right, this is what we're going to do. You know, start making your bed. start, You know, and we put some things together to just like jazz up his day a little bit and make him feel more connected because e-learning has that, uh, that disattachment Disconnect. effect. And so we were able to talk through it, figure out that was the problem, do some, you know, make some things that we we're going to plan for and change. And he was so willing to follow it because he was able to see the example of, how messed up my life was and how beautiful it is today and that, I, you know, I was able to find that. So he trusted that the process worked. What could be more Seen valuable your kids, than that? Right, know? that's yeah. the best. And that's a generation. That's the family of origin, you know, like when they talk about how alcoholism runs in the family, you know, like I want, intentionally want love and like love my neighbor and sacrifice for my community and just that overwhelming kindness. I want that to be my family of origin. I want that, you know, I don't want my kids to grow up and be like, well, alcohol runs, you know, I don't want that, that, that thing to continue. And it's kind of up to us, you know? And so being able to see that my kids know the dangers of drugs and alcohol very clearly because their mom and dad have just painted the picture perfectly, you know, for them. Um, but then also like recovery, you know, and, um, just to give credit where it's due, the kid's mom went through a program while she was in in prison and was able to get released early. And she's now like four years in recovery, working full-time, just bought a house. Um, that's awesome. And so, you know, they've been able to see, like, on every level that life's hard and you're going to make mistakes and people are going to fall down. But, you know, yeah. if we, like, give a little love and a little affection to them, that they'll be able to, you know, brighten up and pick themselves up. And and that's just yeah. a, a beautiful testament to what I think really just every every day is. That's pretty much what we do from when we wake up to go to yeah. bed, you know.
0: So. Well, you just touched on a couple things that... Like I've got so many, so much stuff I want to talk about. So first of all, the pandemic, you know, uh, last time we talked, you had a garden. In fact, I think you were, the conversation we had, you had rats in your garden. Do you remember? Yes. (laughs) Yeah, this community garden, this beautiful community garden, and you had rats. I remember you called me, you said you were going to blow the whole thing up.
1: Burn it down.
0: (laughs) You were burned down. But you were, but but the thing was you were, you had created this community garden um, during the pandemic. You and I were working on community arms. You're on my board for that. And you had kind of a calling for God to create something during the pandemic. Go be love. Yeah. I and mean, just what we were just talking about yeah. go be love. So tell me about that. Cause that was, that was a whirlwind. Yeah. Uh, so watching you do that. It
1: was. And I left my, my marketing position knowing that I wanted to go in the ministry. But it was one of those jobs where like I, constantly had like a new project to start and so I was looking for a, like a gap between projects to be able to leave comfortably and it hadn't happened so one day I just decided to leave the pandemic was just a couple weeks after that right so again God's magic like just God's power of like how he guides and directs us even in dark times which was pretty scary you know when I walked away from that but but yeah it was like day one pandemic I don't know that the kids had even been their school had been canceled yet, so it was really early on. But um, it was right as like just rumors were flying and social media was really a buzz of all the darkness and doom that was coming. And I just got on there and saw a lot of people, just post after post were um, were sad or scared, and nobody really knew what was going on. And I didn't, you know, and um, it was just really frightened. Like I just saw frightened people, and I my heart really hurt. And, um, that's usually in my life been the most guiding moments is when I really feel that deep, deep pain in my heart for other people. And it motivates me. And, and, um, but I was scrolling and it was just like fear, anger, fear, you know, confusion over and over. And then there was just like this one little post and it was, uh, some, it looked like a little girl had drawn and just written like, go be love. It was the words, go be love. And, uh, resonated pretty deep so I jumped on on Facebook groups and I just started a group neighbors helping neighbors um surviving and thriving and I put on there um if you need something ask for it and if you can help help and um then I put a little list of things I can you know I can I'm e-learning my kids now so I can have your kids at my house if you need to be or um I, at the time, I was life coaching, and so I said I'd offer like three months of life coaching free to anyone who just feels like scared and needs someone to talk to, and there were just the things that I knew I could do, and um, and then overnight, within twenty four hours, it we it grew to thirty six hundred members. It like apparent it resonated, and I really think that it was just like that little glimpse of hope that people had, and it was it just went all over the state of Indiana, and like somebody would would say you know I'm, I'm house I can't leave my house I need groceries or we don't you know have like our you know our food stamps don't come in for two weeks and or whatever it was and um, or there were older elder couples that needed prescriptions that couldn't get or were afraid to go and and um, so we just started organizing and someone would post I have this need and someone nearby in their location and somebody nearby would say I'm, I'm on my way basically and it, it really kind of ramped up organically and it got to the point where by the time I was seeing posts with needs there were like several people that had already offered to help or helped one of the neatest things for me about the whole experience was that there were there were people who men who were bullies who had bullied me in school elementary or high school who um were jumping to the call Like there was flooding and a tree Uh fell on a lady's driveway. And so this kid who I very just, I can picture him beating me up in the bathroom in sixth grade was like the first one to grab his chainsaw and drive over there and help that lady. There were just, there were little, really cool experiences like that. And then the very first lady that I helped had a newborn baby, had some medical issues and was afraid to leave and bring it back to the baby. So we brought her food and um, groceries and stuff. When I got there, she said, I, have way too many baby... Like, I have way more baby wipes than I need, so will you just take this to another family who needs it? And, like, the lady didn't have much of anything, and um, it was just her and this newborn baby. So, like, the, I'm aware that there was real struggle in her life, you know, and probably real fear of how, like, the next week was going to go by. But she, like, just, like, found something in her house that she had that could maybe bless somebody else with. And, and then it was... And then the kids got out of school, and they were freaking out because it was really confusing. And so we... Just spent the whole day driving around, going grocery shopping for people and taking them groceries, and and there was like a whole day where they didn't fear and they didn't worry and like what this pand- this craziness didn't really matter. And then it was a week later when Alyssa's job closed. She works in the restaurant industry, and um, and they closed, and you know she went on furlough and there. And she's a workaholic, so, like, for her to sit at home for two hours was insane, but for days was, she was really struggling with that. And so, for days, we just drove around Indiana, and we just did whatever people needed, and it was beautiful. We we were able to just, like, you know, be there. Now, it's ever-changing because the pandemic and the needs of the community are changing, and so we're kind of, like, trying to narrow it down a little bit as far as, like, what we can really efficiently do now and what the needs are, and so... Um, really, my focus now is just the homeless in Indianapolis is what I've tried to narrow it down because as this like grew, it it grew into like all these different needs and driving all over. And there were days right. where I would drive two hours north, but then someone who lived two hours north would drive an hour south and it was like, we, this isn't working. So so we're really in this mindset of just, um, just like lo- looking locally, trying to get all of our what we call administrators, people from different areas of Indiana who kind of like oversee that area. And try to facilitate volunteers with needs. And we're just kind of emphasizing for them to just look eternally what does your community need? Because Indianapolis is way different than Franklin and it's way different than Elkhart. Like, there's, it's impossible for me to sit in Indianapolis and know, like, What What your resources are. How can I be effective in Evansville, right? So that's really where we're in this kind of state of like pause, reflect, and then really internalize into our own communities of how we can be effective. And and the motivating uh, Galatians 5.14 is one of my passages that I live by, and it says the entire law will be fulfilled if we follow this one command, love your neighbor as yourself. And so the entire law is like, every prom, all of God's promises, all of the beauty, all of the magic, all of that warm and fuzzy that that stuff, all of it will be true if we just love our neighbor as ourself. and that's really been the motivating factor not in my recovery, but also just in in the group and then community you know my involvement with with you and community arms and, and everything yeah. that I do is really that that thought that like, that all of this, this pain and this darkness that we all experience, that one day it will go away, we will have beauty, we will have comfort and healing, and mm-hmm. all of that comes true when we just put ourselves aside and love our neighbors as ourself. And like, mm, if that, mm-hmm. you know, that's just what drives us and the, the group, and really, tries. I try to make that kind of our family's thing, you know? Well, yeah.
0: Well, thank you. <laughs> thank you for sharing all that And I'm glad you're here and I love you.
1: I love you too. So, so awesome to be here.